podcast. We really appreciate it. All right, so let's jump into this week's episode. He is a handsome 24-year-old geologist whose case is shrouded in bizarre circumstances. He left work in Buckeye June 23rd. He has not been seen or heard from since. Puzzling clues, a crash scene that raises a lot of questions is what we know tonight. A major volunteer search is planned for this weekend with an army of over 1,000 people. Daniel Robinson has been missing for over six months now. And while the local police department in Buckeye, Arizona, has convinced itself that Daniel crashed his car in the desert and seemingly walked off into the hot, dry landscape, his family is not so sure. The search parties organized by Daniel's father have uncovered multiple human bones, which may bring resolution to other families of missing people, but none have belonged to Daniel. Our case this week offers up more questions than answers, but shows the powerful lengths one family will go to bring their son home. Uh, From day one, everything seemed bizarre. And every time I think I'm getting close to um, understanding what what could have happened to my son, um, I always end up hitting a brick wall and it's almost like starting every day, starting back over again. Born in January of 1997, Daniel Robinson was born without his right forearm and hand, but he never believed it was anything that would cause him to not live a normal life. Early on, his parents, David and Melissa, had tried prosthetics with him, but Daniel didn't need or want it. He was content and capable just the way he was born. He was an active kid and always found a hobby to be engaged with, never letting his disability slow him down. He played musical instruments, got into football, and even enjoyed weightlifting. There was nothing he wouldn't do. Along with his four siblings, twin sisters Davisha and Letitia, a younger sister Talia, and an older brother David Jr., David and Melissa were always kept busy with their children. After graduating from A.C. Flora High School in Forest Acres, South Carolina, Daniel continued to excel at school. He attended the College of Charleston in South Carolina, where he chose to study geology, and later graduated with honors in 2019. He was a happy, driven student and closed with many in his fraternity. Throughout his life, Daniel had always wanted to travel and was up for any spur-of-the-moment adventures, though he always made sure he checked in with his family before taking off. He dreamed of visiting other countries or maybe even starting his own business. Daniel had many aspirations in his life and had the spirit to accomplish whatever he eventually set his mind to. Right after college, Daniel moved to Arizona for his first job as a hydrogeologist, which involved checking water wells throughout the desert. With its vast and varied landscape, Arizona is a hot spot for geology work. The main job site was in the White Tank Mountains about 40 miles west of Phoenix. This was a big move for Daniel coming from South Carolina, but he wasn't worried. His sister had also moved to the area recently, and that was a big comfort for him. Daniel was very close with his family and kept in touch with them often, even when he was busy on the job site. 
From 2019 on, Daniel stayed in Arizona working hard and loving his time there. By summer of 2021, things seemed to be going very well for Daniel, who was now 24 years old. He was doing well at his job and had plans in July to meet up with his family, something that he was looking forward to. Daniel was living his dream. June 23rd, 2021, for Daniel, started off like a normal, average day. He arrived at his work site on Sun Valley Parkway and Cactus Road in Buckeye, Arizona, around 9 a.m., like he usually would. When he arrived, he stopped to talk to his coworker, Kenneth. Daniel was a social person and loved to chat, but based on Kenneth's report from that morning, Daniel was acting very strange. To Kenneth, most of what Daniel was saying didn't make much sense, like asking Kenneth if he wanted to go home to rest in Phoenix. Daniel also appeared to just stare off into the distance. Daniel's odd behavior went on for about 15 minutes, and Kenneth tried to make sense of what he was saying before Daniel suddenly said goodbye, returned to his car, and drove off. Kenneth didn't know what to make of this conversation. It wasn't normal behavior for Daniel, especially to just leave work and to talk so strangely. After thinking about it for a bit, Kenneth decided to reach out to the project manager on the site, Steve, to see if anyone else had seen or heard from Daniel that day. No one on the crew had seen or heard from him. As others noticed Daniel hadn't shown up, they tried to call and text him to get in touch to see what was going on. When the calls went unanswered, coworkers became more concerned. One coworker drove out to Phoenix to Daniel's sister's apartment to see if she had heard from him. She hadn't heard from her brother either. When the coworker left, Daniel's sister called their father David, letting him know that his son was missing. David instructed her to go check Daniel's apartment, and he tried to get in contact with anyone else Daniel may have seen in the last few hours. Daniel was nowhere to be found, and no one they reached out to had seen him since he spoke to Kenneth at work. By this time, it had been more than six hours since Daniel was last seen. Obviously extremely concerned about the welfare of his son, David reached out to the local police department to get their help. But the police were less than enthusiastic to help him, explaining to David that it was too soon for them to get involved. Police needed David to wait at least 12 hours before they could declare him as missing and start a search. David knew, though, that every minute mattered. If Daniel was lost in the desert in the summer, where the average high temperature in June is 105 degrees, he didn't have time to waste. Daniel could get quickly dehydrated or suffer from heat stroke, or worse, if someone else was involved in Daniel's disappearance, the odds of finding him alive grew smaller with each passing moment. David packed his car in Columbia, South Carolina, and headed out on the long road to Arizona to take matters into his own hands and find his son. Around the same time, about 3 p.m. in Buckeye, word got back to Kenneth that no one had seen Daniel since he drove off the lot earlier in the morning. Concerned about his co-worker, Kenneth went out to the spot in the desert where he saw Daniel drive off in his Jeep. 
He followed the tire tracks leading away from the job site to the west. Kenneth tried his best to track the tire tracks, but they just led to a large expanse of dust, wilderness, and desert. Daniel could have gone anywhere from there. As night fell in Arizona, Buckeye police were willing to get involved in searching for Daniel. They began to search the area where Daniel was last seen and where the tire tracks led. But despite searching for hours, ground crews and helicopters couldn't find any sign of Daniel. Returning from the search empty-handed, the police decided to reframe their search and try to gather more information about Daniel to see if they could figure out where he could have been going or if there may have been any other witnesses. So nowadays, whenever police encounter a missing young person, one of the first places police check to gather information about their life is their social media accounts. Well, the day after he was reported missing, police asked Daniel's family to check all of his social media accounts for information that may point to his whereabouts or possibly state of mind before his disappearance. But when David went to check on his son's Instagram, he was shocked to find that all of the pictures Daniel had posted documenting his happy life over the past few years were all deleted. Friends and family remembered seeing the pictures posted recently, so they must have been taken down a few days before disappearing. So that just leads to this big question of why would Daniel suddenly delete everything? Hi, this is Chris Hart, host of Plot or Chris Hart. BetOnline is your number one source for all your baseball wagering info with up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. BetOnline has everything you need to stay up to speed on each league championship series all the way through the World Series. And don't forget, BetOnline is where you get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals for the NFL and college football right at your fingertips. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on all the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Kenneth from work was not the only person to have a strange interaction with Daniel in the moments leading up to his disappearance. Friends, family, and even a waitress reported strange behavior from Daniel. Two days before he disappeared, Daniel had texted his sister saying that there was an emergency. But when she called and texted to follow up and make sure everything was okay, he simply didn't respond, which was really out of character for Daniel. That same day, he visited the Waffle House. The waitress who served him remembered seeing Daniel and feeling that something was off with him, but she couldn't exactly explain what was off about him. On another recent occasion, Daniel had gone to visit his sister at her apartment. When he arrived, Daniel just sat there, completely silent for about a half an hour, before he suddenly just got up and left. This behavior was not typical for Daniel. He was an intelligent and driven man who loved to chat with his friends and family. What could have caused him to suddenly start acting so strange? One theory from police is that it might have something to do with a woman Daniel had met briefly. A woman he told his father that he was in love with. In addition to working as a geologist, Daniel made some extra money on the side delivering for Instacart, 
On one delivery, he met a woman named Caitlin and a friend of hers who was hanging out at her house when he came by to drop off an order. According to Caitlin, she and her friend were drunk when Daniel arrived. They chatted a little while when he dropped off her order, and Caitlin invited him in because he seemed friendly. She said Daniel seemed like a nice, harmless boy, noting that he wasn't a very big guy at about 5'8 and 150 pounds, so she wasn't worried for her safety. They exchanged numbers, but the girls didn't think much of it. After this brief hangout, Daniel's behavior began to make Caitlin uncomfortable. He showed up at her house unexpectedly multiple times, and even when she wasn't home, he'd also text her often, going as far to say that he loved her. This was quite overboard for someone that she had just met, and she asked Daniel to stop contacting her. The day before he went missing, he texted her, The world can get better, but I'll have to take all the time I can, or we can, whatever to name it. I'll either see you again, or never see you again. It didn't make a lot of sense, and it seemed pretty dramatic, but Daniel had agreed to stop reaching out and Caitlin figured that this was probably the end of their short-lived friendship. Around the time that Daniel had met Caitlin, a few weeks before his disappearance, Daniel told his father that he had fallen in love with a woman, and he would have been happy for his son, but after probing him more about this woman, he became concerned. Daniel didn't seem to know anything about this woman that he supposedly was so in love with. Daniel had also told his sister that he was in love with Caitlin and that she had really opened his eyes to a new way of thinking by introducing him to Eckhart Tolle. Entering a state of complete surrender, you step out of your thinking mind. You don't remember all the things that went wrong in your life. You don't even remember your email address or your telephone number. What remains is a sense of beingness, which is I am. Eckhart Tolle is a spiritual teacher and author whose popular first book, The Power of Now, emphasizes living in the present moment. Caitlin had apparently suggested he listen to his podcast, and according to Daniel's sister, this podcast changed the way that he looked at life. The podcast showed him how to view things in the world in a positive energy and to avoid negative energy. At work, Daniel admitted that he had a crush on a girl that he had met, but he felt like he'd never really make anything work with her. The co-worker also felt that the conversation was rather strange and that Daniel wasn't really making sense when he talked about her. Though he had only known her for a short while and barely knew her at that, Caitlin, it seemed, had made a very profound impact on Daniel. As weeks passed with no sign of Daniel, more and more stories about Daniel's bizarre and odd behavior began to surface from those he had interacted with. Apparently, many people had noticed something was off about Daniel. While some investigators worked to better understand his mental state, four ground searches and two aerial searches had been conducted in the area in Buckeye that he was last seen. These searches still turned up nothing. And until July 19, 2021, nearly four weeks after he was reported missing, Daniel's light blue 2017 Jeep Renegade was discovered on the property of a couple ranchers. The car was on its side, heavily damaged and in a ravine in the desert. Because of the dips and peaks in the dusty landscape that spotted with a few shrubs, the car had previously been hidden to those searching for it. 
The location of the Jeep was about four miles from the work site. The windshield was significantly fractured. The driver's side window appears to have been broken out. Some car parts had been scattered a few feet away. In addition to the car, Daniel's cell phone, wallet, still full of all his bank cards and cash, keys and clothes were also found just near his car. And strangely, there was absolutely no sign of Daniel in the area around the car. No DNA or evidence that he had been there, beyond his things. Finally, with something new to go on, two more searches of the area were made in the following days, mostly around the area where Daniel's car was found. But it was starting to seem like there was nothing more to be found, until July 31st, when a horrific discovery was made. A human skull was found buried in the sand. The Robinson family was distraught and fearing the worst, but it was quickly determined that the human skull couldn't have belonged to Daniel. It was out in the desert for far longer than the six weeks that Daniel had been missing. In the search for Daniel, the police had uncovered another mystery. Since the discovery of Daniel's Jeep this summer, the police had essentially made no progress in Daniel's case. After finding the car, and in light of the strange behavior reported in the interviews, police issued a statement that foul play was not suspected at this time. Although they don't know exactly what happened to Daniel, the investigators seem to believe it is unlikely that anyone else was involved with his disappearance. Strangely enough, their suspicion is that Daniel may have wanted to become a monk. They posited that he had gotten into spirituality after becoming obsessed with Eckhart Tolle's spiritual podcast and just wanted to leave. But David Robinson, Daniel's dad, is unwilling to accept that answer. It just doesn't match up with the son he knew and loved for 24 years. My son uh, loved his family. Uh, my son is not going to join a monastery, as what was uh, actually uh, said to me. David believes that the police work has been inadequate. They were delayed in responding and quick to write off Daniel as a runaway. Instead, David has committed full time to finding his son and has hired a private investigator to help him dig into the case. Jeff McGrath was previously a police officer who specialized in vehicular crimes, particularly in the recreation of accidents. With this experience, Jeff was well-suited to analyzing the scene where David's Jeep was found and helping the family put together the evidence. In talking to NBC 12 News, Jeff said that he believes that the car crash might be staged. He told the press after the airbags came out, somebody turned that ignition over at least 46 more times. There's an additional 11 miles on the car, so that tells him that the car was driven around after the crash. The black box from the car says that it was going about 30 miles per hour when the airbags went off. But Jeff believes that the speed would have been nearly impossible across the rocky terrain of the area it was found in. Based on the evidence he found, Jeff's suspicion is that the crash happened somewhere else and then the car was brought to the ravine. Although there is obviously a lot thrown into question given these findings, the official police report has held on to its original position, saying that the damage from the car looked like it first sustained impact from the front that caused it to roll. 
This November, the police put out their own report about the discrepancies Jeff noted in the car. The report stated that the extra 11 miles could have simply been a normal margin of error, and similar errors have been found by Jeep dealerships and other reconstructionists. They also think that the car rolled when the driver attempted to drive up the other side of the ravine it was found in. Jeff's greatest takeaway from the police's report was the timing of it. It seems that the police department may have only hired someone to look into this to refute Jeff's claims, not to really do their own investigation, because their goal is only to shut Jeff's claims down. It's biased and faulty police work. Another curious outcome of the investigation of Daniel Robinson is how many other human remains have been uncovered during the searches. In addition to the human skull, bones from at least two other people, maybe more, have been found. But none of them have belonged to Daniel. 915 people have gone missing in Arizona just in 2021, one of the highest rates in the country. Given the vast and difficult terrain of the desert, it's possible that most of these are accidents from hikers or other travelers who went missing. But Jeff postulates that there may have been something that ties together all of these findings of other human remains. How could so many bones turn up in the same area? Is there something more going on than just coincidental disappearances? As of today, the only sign of Daniel after he was last seen talking to Kenneth at the work site was his overturned car and his belongings. Despite numerous searches, no other evidence linked to Daniel has been found. Given his bizarre behavior before the disappearance, a few theories have been thrown around. Jeff speculated that it's possible that Daniel, who commonly smoked marijuana, may have accidentally taken a PCP-laced joint and crashed the car. Or maybe that Daniel had been staying up too late after being rejected by Caitlin, and the fatigue and depressed emotional state had something to do with his actions. Maybe he stopped to rest on his way out of town and something happened, or he met the wrong person. The Buckeye police searches have involved combing through over 70 square miles of desert. They brought in cadaver dogs, drones, helicopters, and all-terrain utility vehicles. But despite their efforts after Daniel first went missing, most of the work added to the police report in recent months has been the result of Jeff and David's work on the case and the search parties that David has organized and led. They have divided the vast area where Daniel was last seen and where his car was found into blocks and have been incredibly methodical about searching every last square inch. Unfortunately, neither the GPS in Daniel's car nor his phone could be used to track his whereabouts after he went missing. So there is almost nothing to go on in terms of narrowing down the areas of interest. The Robinson family is offering a $10,000 reward if anyone has information that helps them find Daniel. And their GoFundMe page has raised an additional $130,000 to help them with the cost of their own search. While this story doesn't have a happy ending yet, it is a testament to a father's love of his son. David has given up his whole life to bring his boy back home safe. Since Daniel went missing, David has organized 18 searches. 
At first, it was only about 20 people volunteering, but now, even months later, 80 to 200 people come out for each search. So far, they've thoroughly searched about 15 miles around the area where Daniel's car was found. The Robinsons are overall disappointed with the lack of evidence uncovered by the police and their apparent lack of care for whether Daniel will ever be found. For any missing persons case this past summer, it's hard not to draw a comparison to the Gabby Petito case. We're sure any family with a missing child wishes their case could receive the national attention and resources that Gabby's did. But it's difficult to hear about another person of color going missing and not receiving sufficient support. David says he has lost faith in the local police system. While he used to give them as much info as he could from his searches, they never did anything with that information. At this point, he feels he has no choice but to take this on himself. When David first arrived in Phoenix, he stayed in motels, but now he has an apartment there so that he can continue to look for his son. It has greatly eaten into his retirement fund, and it is not the peaceful life he had imagined for himself and his family, but it's a price he's willing to pay to find Daniel. With limited findings so far, David and his family have been looking for any help possible, even accepting the help of psychics. It just doesn't seem plausible. Daniel would have driven out into the desert, crashed his car, got out, took off his clothes, walked out into the open desert, especially given his knowledge of how dangerous the desert wilderness can be. But with all of his odd behavior prior to the disappearance, was something more going on in Daniel's life that no one knew about. If you know any information about what happened to Daniel Robinson or would like to help with David's search efforts, please visit pleasehelpfinddaniel.com. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode. We will see you next week. He called me when I got off work. We talked. Later on that night, Daniel called me again, and I was sleeping. And Daniel said, hello, Mom. I'm just checking on you, and I want you to know I love you, and we will talk later. And that's what I'm holding on to. Crime Salad is a Weird Salad production. Are you kidding me? That was perfect. Hi, this is Chris Hart, host of Plot or Chris Hart. BetOnline is your number one source for all your baseball wagering info with up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. BetOnline has everything you need to stay up to speed on each league championship series all the way through the World Series. And don't forget, BetOnline is where you get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals for the NFL and college football right at your fingertips. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on all the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.